Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And, Mr. Kelly, I understand that spring is in your yard. I'm seeing signs of it. Wow. By one of the feeders in the back yesterday, or a couple days ago, I started seeing them. Uh, I guess it's the daffodils that come up early. And some of them are starting to break through the soil, and there's little growth down there. Wow. Yeah. So, so it's not crocus, it's daffodils? I don't think it's crocus. Okay, just curious. Hocus Pocus by Crocus. Remember that song? <laughs> no. Oh, I'll have to play it sometime. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think it's the daffodils. I'm not sure, but it looks it's green, yeah. and it's coming up out of the ground. Great. So I like it. <laughs> yes. The first sign that uh, hope is on the way. Yes, thank you. And then snow is on the way Wednesday. Oh, oh man. Just I can handle the snow, just the temperatures I don't like. Yeah, yeah. It's same here when it gets that cold. Or the ice. And the ice. Of the other day. That was tough the other day, and especially walking, getting out of your car, getting in the car. That's where it was really dangerous. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So. But well, there is there's little green coming up. There's hope. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is Saturday morning, and we're going to have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your landscape. And uh, how about your houseplants? How are they doing? Oh, not so good. Yes, they're doing great. But anyway, if you've got any questions about them, should they be watering or anything else, you can just give a call again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Abby's producing, so she will be answering the phone. She just needs your first name. If you have other questions about should you be pruning this time of year? Should you be pruning this? How about that? Should you be pruning something that's summer blooming? How about something that's spring blooming? Uh, hmm. Well, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your home or car or wherever you happen to be listening. As I said before, Abby's producing, so when you call, she will be answering the phone. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I can come to your home and do landscape consultations if you'd like for me to come around and have a look, and uh, I call it a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. At the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. And last week, I was supposed to be up in Florissant, but things got a little bit chaotic, and I wasn't able to make it, so... 
I'm going to have to reschedule that. But anyway, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Turning right off Tucker onto Spruce, your eyes immediately catch in the morning sky massive light towers. And they are, oh, just unbelievable. And also a really bright red St. Louis Cardinals. It was written in script. Other sequences of exterior stadium lights, well, you know, some are arched. This is the third base entrance of the Cardinals Stadium. Uh, smaller horizontal lighting, too. Stand mutual banners of various, on various streetlights. And uh, posts along the, the statue. There's light posts there, too. Oh, his statue is so great on that side. It's just, I mean, it's fantastic. There's steps and railings and walkways and walls, planter buds, and the beds are really dominated by naked oak leaf hydrangeas. Some still, some still holding on to some flowers from last year. There's evergreen boxwood, too, a nice hedge. And deciduous street trees contrast against the red brick walls of the stadium. And previously, and precisely, I should say, precisely pruned umbrella-like Crab apple trees. There's sets of them. And uh, that's over where all the ticket windows are. And the ticket windows were closed? Hmm, that seems interesting. Well, of course, and then there's a plaza outside the team store with statues of various heroes from the past that the Cardinals have. So it uh, makes me think, when is spring training coming? Just like I was talking to Brian. I'm getting a little tired of winter. It's uh, uh, kind of boring and everything else. So I can't wait for more and more and more and more uh, things to happen, like the Cardinal spring training is coming. But I know it's not going to be coming here. It's going to be coming when they're in Florida. They're so lucky to be down there. But anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Yes, it's a little cool outside, but thank goodness the sun is bright. So you can always, if you're out there working and you're on the shaded side of your house, all you have to do is go around to the other side and stand in the sun for a few minutes, recharge your solar batteries, and head back around and get the work done on a, in a location that you think needs some help right now. So anyway, if you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's start off with Joyce and see what's going on in her yard. Hi, Joyce. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. So my question is about using well water for my plants, for my my potted plants and my vegetables and fruits I grow outside. Someone told me because we soften it with salt, I shouldn't use it for these plants. That's probably true, but what you could do is just... You know, have a test done and find out what the the pH of your water is. If it is too okay. alkaline, then you don't want to do that for sure. So, but there's okay. no way to just guess because of whatever. So, okay. get a, you know, getting a test done is the best way to go about finding out anything, whether it's soil or water or anything else. Okay. And you had said before, who does that? I've heard it on your program. Is it Wash U? Uh, I don't think Wash U does it, but... Uh, uh, let me think. I can't think of it right now, but uh, probably what I do is just go online or go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website, oh, mobot.org, and just ask them about uh, locations to have water or soil tested. Okay. Okay. Very good. 
And one more question. Ornamental grasses, is it best to burn them? Someone told me to burn. I've always just cut them off about this time of year. But a friend of mine was saying that they burn them down. Well, I don't know why you'd want to burn them. It doesn't really make any okay. difference because okay. the blades that are there, the, the stumps after you cut it or anything else, it's uh, that those are dead, gone. It's the root right. system that's going to produce a new growth. So whether how you get rid of the above-ground growth doesn't really matter. Burning, it seems a little extreme to me, but... Uh, just easier to cut them. I always put a bungee cord. I recommend putting a bungee cord around them right. and using a hedge trimmer, and that's you know keeps it all together, and you don't have to spend a whole lot of time picking it up. Right. That's pretty much what we do. All right. right. Thank you very much. Sure. I appreciate your help. My pleasure. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is February, so um, I've already done this myself. I have uh, kind of an exotic begonia, and uh, I took some cuttings, and I've probably a couple weeks ago, and I've been, you know, some of the cuttings, let's say, are probably, oh, eight or ten inch, well, not not that long, probably six, four to six inches, you know, long, and uh, initially when I took the cuttings, I did it a couple weeks ago, like I said, and I put them in glass, just a glass of water, and uh some of the lowest leaves, the bigger ones, have you know fallen off, but the other ones are really looking good, and I've looked into the glass, and I can see that there's already some root systems starting there. So if you'd like to take some cuttings of different kinds of plants, this is certainly the time of year to do it. And probably today after the show, I'm going to head down. Uh, I have my summer bulbs in the basement, I'm going to check them to see if they're still okay. I've checked them already a couple times this winter, but just make sure there's no signs of decay or no just drying up or anything else. And this is a this is a really a good time of year too to finish some pruning on uh, the plant materials. You certainly don't want to do any pruning on anything that's spring flowering because then you're just eliminating the flowers for this spring. But anything summer blooming. Some of the evergreens, uh, I'm still a little bit cautious about, you know, doing the the evergreens this time of year because we just don't know what it's going to be like. And uh, so consequently, just do some pruning, selective pruning, hedge pruning, or whatever it happens to be. It's really kind of up to you. So, and uh, your houseplants, just watch your houseplants. As soon as you start to see some growth on your houseplants, that's when you can start fertilizing but this time of year, just do half the label rate of what type of fertilizer you want to use. Let's head over to Anna's yard now. Hi, Anna. Hi. Hi. Uh, I'm in Illinois, and I have um, the bushes that uh, have the bright red leaves in the fall. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know what they're called. But anyway, I have one that's overhanging the sidewalk and alley, and I wanted to trim it back dramatically. Is it too late to do that? No, because it hasn't pushed, you know, no new growth has started yet. So that, that you have Euonymus elatus, or in other words, a burning bush is what it is. That's what it is, a and, burning bush. You know, they're tough, they're durable, they can take some pruning. Now, I will tell you that the areas that you prune, if you're pruning, let's say, severely on one side because of overhang or whatever it happens to be, those areas may not push out any new growth at all. So you may just end up with a bunch of twiggy stems sticking out well, and— what I would like to do is is trim the whole thing back dramatically, just into a ball. 
So, okay. Um, yeah, give that a try and see what you think. Again, if you cut it, I don't know how, how large is it right now? Oh, um, six feet around. Okay, six feet around, so you're going to cut it down to? Maybe three. Yeah, that's going to be, there may not be any functional buds, you know, still on the stems that are going to be remaining. So just be, you know, be aware that that may be the case. So, okay, I mean, so what are you telling me then that I'm going to kill it? Or? Well, I'm saying there's a potential that it might. Okay. And All I'm right. just saying you just have to just understand that if you do cut it back that severely, that it may not be able to produce any new growth foliage-wise because all the buds that are that on the remaining stems have been dysfunctional for several years because they were overshadowed by the gro- the newer growth and everything else. And the, the plant just said, because during the growing season, if you look down in the center, there's not leaves all the way down to the, on the stems. They're only in you know mm-hmm. certain areas, mainly the perimeter. So okay, just, all right. So maybe take a look at it before you start cutting back too far. Yeah, and just I mean maybe cut it back at or a, maybe cut half, cut cut one side real real strictly, and then maybe cut the other side right next year. Yeah, maybe cut okay. or you know cut it all. Maybe a foot off. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All the way around and see what you think, even though it's still going to probably be overhanging some of the areas that you don't like. That way you can just kind of watch and see what happens. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Sure. My pleasure. Okay. Yeah, that's you know one of the problems because if we look at whether they're evergreens or deciduous things, down towards the center of the plants, a lot of times there is not anything there. So, well, let's head over to Steve's yard now. Hi, Steve. Come on. Good morning. Good question. Um, had a few uh, European whatever's left over when we left Holland a year or so ago and bought some tulip bulbs at the airport before we left. Uh, never got around to plant those. They've been sitting in a closet since. Uh, any chance those would still come up if I plant them? Uh, hmm. You could give it a try. Probably what try. I would do. 
first of all, just take a look at them and feel them and see if they're still firm and everything else. And go ahead and stick them in the ground. Now, they, you know, normally you're going to be planting them in the fall. Then they're going to have the root system going and get established okay. and absorb, you know, nutrients and everything else to be able to push out the foliage and the flower the following spring. So you've kind of denied it of that fact. So what may yep. happen is you may just have some foliage come up and then nothing else. And then, you know, the problem with tulips is they've been over-hybridized to, the certain, to a certain point where they don't really have much of a longevity factor anymore. It's about one or two Correct. seasons is all you're going to get out of it. Probably what I would do is if you do have some pots and some potting mix, I'd put them in potting, you know, in pots in the potting mix and just put those outside water and just kind of see what happens as opposed to digging them and putting them in the ground. Might get lucky, might not. Thank you very much, sir. Right. Yeah, it's good. You know, it's going to be a roll of dice. And, uh, you know, it's really kind of amazing how, you know, those kind of things happen. So thanks, Steve. We do have some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you have questions or concerns, uh, it's really kind of amazing. We live right across the street from Christie Park. We're on the northeast corner, so the, all the prevailing winds from the southwest blow all the leaves from the park up onto uh, onto our yard. And so a lot of times, and we have zoysia. So consequently, I actually sometimes I get tired of raking the leaves and taking them back to the uh, uh, the yard waste dumpster. And then sometimes I just give them to two doors down. Charlie, he's or I guess it's really three doors down. Uh, or no, it's just two. So anyway, he's got all kinds of compost bins and everything else, so sometimes I do that. But a lot of times I just set my mower high and just go out and just mow all the leaves that have you know blown up into our yard. So And the other day when it was so windy in the opposite direction, I actually raked them out and then watched the wind blow it back into the park. So it's kind of interesting to see the leaves go one direction as opposed to another. And it's, uh, you know, just things are just kind of nutty and crazy. There's no getting around it. So, again, your house plants, just make sure that, you know, if you start to see any kind of new growth on any of them at all, any kind of buds or anything, do some fertilizing on them. They're going to really appreciate that. And when you do water them, and especially over the wintertime, hopefully you have did this, you're going to water them with your water, not cold water. You want to use warm water. That's much better for the root system. And uh, other things that you need to be thinking about is check any kind of chemicals that you might have because it has been kind of extremely cold. And uh, any kind of liquids that are in your garage, it, they may not be as effective as they should be or could be as a result of they may have been frozen depending upon where they were sitting. And any kind of granular type stuff, it was uh, if it's on the floor – then I would say pick up the bag, you know, check it, shake it, and see what it fe- if it feels like the granular is still there, if it's not just one big lump that kind of got f- due to the humidity on the inside and due to the temperature-wise, it kind of messed it up. So just realize that there's some things that you need to be concerned about with that. And uh, just heading out to your... Uh, you know, your yard and just taking a look around during the warmer weather, that's the ideal thing to do. So if you have any questions, concerns, comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these comments, questions, news, 
No, spots. <laughs> yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Lorna's yard. Hi, Lorna. Hi there. Hi. Uh, I had a question about an avocado plant. I, I have had this uh, thing growing in the glass for months, and so it's probably about two foot tall now. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking I need to put it in dirt, but I was just looking for some coaching on how I'm going to proceed with that. Uh, yeah, definitely you can put it in dirt or you can just leave it. You're not planning on having an avocado tree, I hope, uh, ultimately. No. I just like the green plants. Yeah, so, I mean, you can just leave it in the water if you want to. There's no reason to put it in a pot, but you can certainly do it. Just go to your favorite garden center. Probably uh, I'd get a pot maybe if you don't have a decorative one, just a black plastic nursery pot that's like six inches in diameter and get a, a potting mix for starting plant material. So that's going to be – it has a little bit of different formula to it. And you just want to plant it basically almost kind of at the same level it is in the water. And that's about all you really need to do. Maybe a little bit lower so the stem, you just don't want the stem to be buried too deep into the potting, you know, potting mix. Okay. And then okay. put it in a, you know, sunny window and uh, minimize the amount of watering, especially this time of year until the days start getting longer. And then in the summertime, you can sit it outside. Just don't put it straight out into direct sun because it will get sunburned. So put it in a, a location that's not going to get straight sun on it. and uh, Or you can just leave it inside. You don't have to put it out. Okay. Well, sounds good. I, wh- what could I anticipate about how big this thing would get? Uh, and as a house, basically, you're probably looking at maybe two to three feet is going to be the maximum. And then oh, it's okay. going to kind of like, you know, I guess get exhausted more or less, and you're not going to be able to. I mean, you could put it in a bigger pot if you wanted to. After you, you know, once you start seeing some of the root system coming out of the drainage holes in the bottom, but don't you know, don't keep potting it up in a bigger, 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 bigger pot because that's not going to help its you know ability to get acclimated to the new size pot. And a, okay. a new one, you only want about an inch bigger than the existing one. Okay, so just. Um let it go and see what it does. Right, exactly. That's okay. the best thing you do. And then after you know, after you initially put it in the potting mix for starting plant material, the next pot that you put it into, if you do end up putting it into a larger pot, you can just use regular potting mix, not potting soil, because I mean, avocados are you know from a part of the country where they're native to. I'm not exactly sure, but they grow all over Southern California where it's really you know not a whole lot of rains. And the water or the soils, they do have a clay tendency, but, you know, in the orchards where they're growing them, it's really well-drained. Okay. Okay. Yeah, always well-drained. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Coming up in about a month or so, a little bit more, let's say, not even really a month, let's say, March 3rd through the 6th, the Home and Garden Show. Yes, the Home and Garden Show is returning. And because of all the crazy stuff that has gone on recently over the last few years, they've not been able to do it. But uh, the Home and Garden Show, it's always great fun. And it's a family's day out. And there's so much to see and do. And kids of all ages, there's something called Twiggy, the water skiing squirrel. 
It's fun, interactive performance with Twiggy and his friends, entertaining uh, you know audiences, basically across all of you know, for a long period of time. And also, there's going to be some creature features where reptiles and exotics are going to be there. Show me snakes. It's safe, hands-on display presentation of colorful and exotic live animals and artifacts. And discover animals that you've really never encountered before. And learn about the importance of these magnificent creatures at the unique encounter for both reptile lovers and those who are just plain curious. So the Home and Garden Show, you always think it's just going to be Home and Garden. Well, no, it's going to be a lot more than that. This animal thing really looks kind of like a great fun. Like I said, Twiggy the Water Skiing Squirrel and then the reptiles and other exotic animals. Let's head over to Boomers. Hi, Boomer. Hello? Hi, Mike. Yes. All right. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Hi, I have uh, some Concord grapes, and I've been researching a bunch of YouTube videos as far as how to prune those, and uh, most of them say sometime in February, depending on the geographic area. And here in St. Louis, I thought it might be wise just to maybe wait towards the end of February, beginning of March, but I just wanted to get your opinion on that. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean... It's just the the problem with pruning too early is if we have severe cold, it could do this do some damage to the remaining you know wood. So how long have they been in the ground? So this will be the third year. Okay, so they're still relatively immature, and I would say for another couple years, uh, if you do start to see some flowering, enjoy the flowers, but don't let any fruits form. Just let you know let the sort of the the grape vine get its strength and everything else, good root system, good stems, good everything, and kind of go from there. Okay, so I'm sorry. Did you say not to prune them this year? No, or? no, no. You can prune them just if it, if they do push out the new growth, the stems, and they do get you know flowers on them, uh, go ahead and enjoy the flowers if you want to, but don't let the flowers get pollinated. So, you're, so in other words, don't. If you start to see any kind of grapes form, just you know, remove them from the vines. Okay. Okay. So, Very in other words, good. you're going to have so, to wait for most of the grapes. You're going to have to wait like three to five, you know, three to five to seven years before you really start to let them produce any fruit because they just really don't have the strength. Producing fruit really causes really trauma for any kind of plant material, whether it's an apple tree or a grapevine or anything else. That's why you don't want the fruit to form when it's still young and immature. Okay. Okay. So, again, I'm sorry, just to make sure I understand. So I can prune them. Yes, you're pruning the stems this time of year. Then there's going to be new growth that comes as a result of that. When the weather starts right. warming, then this new growth could potentially produce some flowers, which ultimately would ultimately be grapes. But don't let the grapes form for another couple years until the until the stems and the vines get bigger, stronger, and more robust. Okay, got it. Great, Mike. Enjoy the show. Thank you very much, sir. Well, sure. Thanks for having me on your show. And now let's head over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hi, how are you doing, Mike? Very good. 
Yeah, I uh, wanted to check and see that um, about my ash tree. Didn't know I even had an ash tree, but I do, and I've had it for quite a long time. And um, so I wanted to see about uh, home treatments for the emerald ash borer. Will that uh, work, or do I need to really get that uh, professionally done? Yeah, I think the home treatments for something like that. Well, let me ask you, first of all, go back a little bit. How big is a tree? Uh, the diameter is about 18 inches. Uh, I would think you're probably going to have to, you should probably have a professional service come in. Okay. And right, be, right. I mean, the home stuff is okay. You could try it, but it's obviously a tree that you think is important or you wouldn't even be considering taking any action. And to be honest with you, a lot of the ash trees have just been eliminated because of this, you know, emerald ash borer circumstance. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. Sure. And, you know, the, and the problem with it is, too, is the Emerald Ice Board. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's in the top of the tree. Normally we think of boars being lower down on the trunk where it's really an obvious type circumstance. But, you know, to do the, the, let's say, injection system with the tree services, what they're going to do, it takes, you know, it takes a season or so for it to be able to translocate that up into the stems to get, if there happens to be any, let's say, larvae or eggs or whatever in the, the upper part of the tree to actually get up there and kill them. So it's not going to be an instantaneous type thing. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Thank you for the advice. Appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, the emerald ash borer has been tragic because the city of St. Louis has cut down so many ash trees. And, I mean, they were really, really dramatic trees, you know, in our neighborhood in South City. So I'm sure that that happened in all the parks and everything else. So thanks, Jim. Greatly appreciate it. And now let's head over to Sam's yard. Hi, Sam. Hey, how you doing, Mike? Very good. All right. I have a cedar tree, very mature, uh, 20, 25 feet. Very, very round and large. I, I want to cut that back, but I'm not sure how you trim that because once you start trimming, you get, you get rid of all the green and you're just left with the branches. What do you do? You can't do anything. <laughs> so, I mean, basically, they just, uh, for the most part, any of the you know, conifers like you know, cedar trees, which is a juniper, or pine trees or anything else, you just, they, pruning them when they start, when they get to be a mature size just doesn't work. Okay. All right. Well, it's a pretty tree. I'll stick with it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, and I, I'm assuming it's probably not the native one because it doesn't have cedar apple rust or something like that. So if you nope. do end up having this one taken down for whatever reason, when you go to your garden center, make sure that you get 
uh, a Juniperus japonica. So in other words, one from Japan as opposed to Juniperus virginiana, which is a native one, and that's the one that potentially has more disease problems. Okay, good info. Thanks a lot. Great. Thanks, right. Sam. And, folks, we got lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As the weather gets warmer, guess what? The forsythia is going to be blooming. And the forsythia blooming, what does that signify? Well, that means that that is a time of year when you want to put a pre-emergent down to control the annual warm season weeds. The warm season weeds, they've just laid there. The seeds all winter long, they didn't care. So things like spurge, crabgrass, carpet weed, black medic, you know, and all kinds of other ones. So if you've had a problem with certain weeds that, uh, you know, then disappear, they're probably an annual type thing. And then when the forsythia is in bloom, and uh, then that's when you, guess what? You put the pre-emergent down. Oh, you don't know what a forsythia is or you don't have any in your neighborhood or anything else? Well, you can go to your favorite garden center and just get a soil thermometer. And once you start to see the soil thermometer, go out there every couple days or every day or so and just read the soil temperature. And when the temperature is at 50 or above for several days in a row, that's when you want to put the pre-emergent down. So you don't have to depend upon the forsythia necessarily. You can be more digital and scientific. Let's head over to Carol's yard now. Hi, Carol. Hi, Mike. How Hi. are you? Very good. I had a question about uh, my flowering quince bush. When should I uh, cut that back? It's about four feet uh, in diameter, I guess. Should I wait until after it flowers? Uh, yeah, depending upon if you want the if you know if you want the fruits, then you don't want to do it then at all. But yeah, that's the best time to do it so you can enjoy the flowers because that's really why you're growing the quince. You're not growing them for the fruit or anything else. It's for the flowering. Right. So I shouldn't cut it back now. It doesn't have any leaves on it yet, but it does look like it's got some little buds. Yeah. So. so if you if you cut it now, then I mean it won't it won't hurt it. All it'll do is make it so you don't have flowers for this year. Okay, yeah, I don't want to do that then. I'll wait. <laughs> okay. All right, thank you. Sure. I enjoy my show. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, we uh, growing up in Ellisville, we had a quince that was in the corner of the yard. I never did know what it was until I got a little bit older and got into the plant material. But I was always you know, curious because they have thorns on them. It's like this giant thing, it got huge because my my father was not really into pruning at all. And it was just amazing cutting the grass around. It was like, ooh, stay away from that thing. Yeah, this is a really pretty, it has a kind of uh, poppy-colored flowers on ooh. it. So it's really pretty every spring. Right. So. Sounds perfect. Okay, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's leave Carol's yard and head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. <clears throat> I have uh, had... Uh, my gala apple tree and my peach tree uh, attacked by deer. Ooh. And uh, the smaller is a gala apple, and it's only about two years old, and it got pruned pretty good. Even if they reached over the wire or whatever it was. And uh, knocked. is there anything I can do to 
help the bark or any of that stuff. I know you said don't put that chemical stuff on. Right, because that doesn't really help. Basically, anything that's frayed or anything at all like that, just prune that off. Because what that it, does... Most is, of it is the trunk. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's an unfortunate circumstance. But anything that's frayed, that means when we just start to get the rain and then the potential uh-huh. fungus problems and things like that, it's just going to accelerate that potential. Okay. So that's... So there's not really just hope, huh? Right, pretty and much. Then I, <laughs> and then I have an old red delicious apple tree. It's probably... I guess about 15, 20 years old. And I like to uh, prune it, but I don't know how much to take off. Okay. Now, if you prune it, basically you're cutting back because near the end of the branches, that's where the flowers are, slice. That's where the you know the, the majority of the fruit is going to be. So just realize that you're cutting off the flowers by pruning it this time of year. And then consequently, you're going to get less apples. So the best thing to do is you know prune it coming once you've done the you know the harvesting of the the apples. Do it at that okay. time. Well, the, the the deer usually beat me to most of the harvest, <laughs> and they're also pruning the edge of my uh, bark now in the winter. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. That's you might try. I some... wasn't hunting for them, but I didn't have any luck. <laughs> You might try in the future hanging bars of Irish Spring soap because that okay. smell is a deterrent, you know, as opposed to, you know, getting a repellent because the repellents are great. They certainly do work, but every time we have a hard rain, you got to, re- you know, reapply the repellents. Okay. So it's just a, it's a smell factor. So then I'll have some insecticidal soap around my apple tree. Man. Well, well, I mean, just Irish, yeah, Irish spring, yeah, Irish spring soap, the stuff that you just buy at the regular stores, and uh, okay. that smells—it's a little bit uh, strong. I have to admit myself, but the deer don't like it at all. Well, good, because I'm getting tired of the deer. <laughs> all right, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, this is a time of year where you got to start anticipating, you know, many things getting ready for it because if you had a history of a problem like Bill has with the deer, and it sounds like he's had it off and on for quite a while, that uh, it can, re- can be really aggravating. And if you have vegetable gardens and things like that, there's nothing wrong as long as the ground is not frozen with going out and starting pre- to prepare your soil, adding some compost, you know, organic matter to it. And just to kind of improve the soil just in general. So even if you've had good luck with it and you've, you've fertilized and everything else, uh, as you always know that I talk about getting a soil test done just to find out, you know, what the nutrient level is on the, you know, the areas that you're going to grow specific type things. And because we get extravagant levels with certain chemicals that are in fertilizers and it actually is a deterrent for the plant material as opposed to something that's going to help them. So just keep that in mind that, uh, you know, phosphorus and potassium, those last two numbers on a bag of normal fertilizer is, you know, those are the two things that stay in the soil for multiple years and just it keeps building up and building up and building up. And they do have a bad situation as far as, you know, a deterrent for the plant material. And this is whether it's perennials, this is whether it's a seasonal type thing. 
And another thing is we're starting to get near the growing season is bags of fertilizer that have the same number all the way across, like triple 12. Those were developed for seasonal type things, but that's fine. Meaning. So in other words, like growing vegetables or growing wheat or growing whatever it happens to be a one season type thing, but still the phosphorus and potassium is going to stay there and to get that taken care of as far as maybe changing the type of fertilizer for the future where you maybe go with a 12.55 or 12.00 is the best thing to do. So anyway, Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. We'll be back after the news, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Yes, folks, it's the tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving that shortly. But right now, you can give a call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, Brian, I don't mind, you know, the forecast saying there's going to be snow. Mm-hmm. It's just when it's ice or yeah. sleet. That's yeah. when you're sitting there in your living room, you're just kind of taking it easy, and all of a sudden you hear <laughs> on the windows, you go, oh yes. <laughs> I left here the other day pretty early into the freezing rain part of it because I, I could get out and it was like, I'm leaving now. And I got out onto Olive and it was already slick. It was already slushy. Whoa. And yeah, you could hear that tink, tink, tink on the windshield for sure. Oh, gosh. Uh, as I headed south, it got a little better. By the time I got home, they already had the cinders down. And so I got up the hill okay. Oh, you're kidding. But that, you know, fortunately, where where we lived, after I got home at like 2 o'clock or so, 1.30, 2 o'clock that afternoon, Mm -hmm. it didn't do a whole lot more after that. Oh, really? So the problem was the next morning opening the car door. Took a little, (laughs) took a hip check into the door to loosen it up. But uh, yeah, that's the scary stuff, the ice. I have to make a correction. Last hour, I said that Hocus Pocus was by Crocus. It's actually by a band called focus and i'm trying to play it but of course the computer is just like well i don't know that i want to play that so i'm going to make you sit here for a second and ruin mike's show so that we can hear now hocus pocus by focus hocus pocus by focus you remember that song no really the guy does some yodeling in the middle of it oh really yeah well, I'm not either, but this was a big song for a while. So I said it was Crocus. It's actually Focus who did Hocus Pocus. I've lost my focus. <laughs> yes. So anyway, there you go. I had to had to get that in there and, and make what, the correction. What era was that from? That was like the 80s. Seven, really? Well, probably 70s. More like the 70s. Really? I saw a live version of this, and this is crazy enough. But when they were live, it was like three times faster. Here you go. Let's see. There you go. Yeah, I knew you'd remember once you heard that part of it. Right. So there you go. Hocus Pocus by Focus, not Crocus. <laughs> yeah, please bring the Crocus out. <laughs> I want springtime. Yes, thanks, Brian. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for ups and downs and all arounds of annuals. Your bulbs, edibles, as Brian was saying last hour, that his daffodils are already showing some growth. Same with me. I've got uh, some daffodils planted on the corner where our garage meets a driveway, and that really warms up nicely. 
And that's where I'm seeing most of the growth of any kind of the spring flowering bulbs. Your ground cover, your house plants, your lawn, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. Uh, and I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take towards success. And across the big board is Abby. She'll be answering the phone. She's producing. She pushes all the buttons and everything else. During the week, I do landscape consultations, and uh, I can come to your home and do a walk and talk where we can evaluate situations that you have. And then also I'll keep my eyes open for things I thought I think might be impacting your landscape. And the tip of the trial today goes out to Reinhold Electric. Reinhold Electric, last week we had chaos as far as several different things were going nutty wrong, and one of them happened to be electric. And the people at Reinhold, Jamie came on Wednesday, and, you know, in our breaker box, we kept just pushing the breaker to try to figure out. We thought it might be this particular one because it was off. It wasn't on. So we kept pushing on, on, on. It wouldn't stay. It wouldn't create any kind of impact. So Jamie comes in. He comes down. He's there for about 15 seconds, and he goes, click, click. <laughs> and everything came on that had not – that was sort of like <laughs> – as a result of that. And what it was is we weren't turning it off before we turned it back on. So Tracy and I, neither of us are electricians, but uh, thanks to the, again, the people at Reinhold Electric and Jamie was a technician that came. He was there right when he said he was going to be, and it worked out just perfectly. So tip of the trial for those folks that saved us a lot of grief, at least, you know, our furnace and our hot water tank and all that other stuff was still working. This was just, you know, kind of an aggravation part as far as what wasn't working, ceiling lights and things like that in one part of the house. But anyway, enough of that stuff. Let's take a call or two before we take a break. Let's go over to Mike Shard. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm good. I, I was wanting to ask you about gold raspberries and blackberries. I'm wanting to put some in this year, and I did, I've got the South St. Louis hard clay. I didn't know when was the best time to plant them. And also, should I probably work on the soil first um, with compost and, and that kind of stuff? Yeah, definitely improve the soil before you ever get the fruits. So, And then spring is a good time to plant them because you can get them bare roots, so they're going to be you know, a little bit cheaper. But later on in the season, you can get them whether you know, some of the nurseries are going to have them growing in pots. But uh, improve the soil for sure, uh, depending upon, you said, your, your classic sort of south side clay soil. You want to add about, uh, you can do a mixture of like topsoil and compost together or just mix compost and add about three or four inches to the existing soil. So that's going to elevate the bed, and then that's what you're going to plant in. Cool. Okay. And then I had read somewhere years ago that you had to, uh, so they don't, cross-pollinate, you have to keep them so far apart, blackberries and raspberries, like 35 feet or something silly like that, and I was just double-checking. I was thinking, how far apart do I have to put them to make sure that they don't cross-pollinate? Probably what I would do is not try to do that. I would just decide which one you really want and grow that as opposed to trying to grow both of them. I kind of thought that might be your uh, answer. (laughs) It's just easier because of cross-pollination, I don't know, you know, how bad that actually is. 
and realize that if you you know you plant the raspberry canes or the blackberry canes or whatever kind of canes, it's going to be multiple years before you're going to get any kind of fruit production off of them at all. So just be patient. Okay, doke. All right, and then keep amending the soil every year because of how hard the soil is. No, you That'd don't have to. Once you do it thoroughly, so in other words, you're going to mix the compost and the topsoil compost blend or whichever you choose in with the existing soil. You don't have to amend the soil every year after that. No, you don't need to do that. If you do it thoroughly and do it well, in other words, you're going to use a rototiller, you're going to spade it like four to six inches deep. That should be adequate, and you're going to be doing, let's say, top dressing with maybe fertilizers and things like that, or top dressing with compost just to kind of enrich the soil, but you're not going to be doing a major soil improvement. Okay. How many hours of sun do they need? Uh, the, the more the better, Advice. let's put it that way. Right. Okay. Mike, thanks a lot. Sure, I my pleasure. It. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. Let's head over to Jeannie's yard. Hi, Jeannie. Hi, how are you? Good. Hey, listen, I just had a comment about uh, the blackberries and raspberries uh-huh. that Mike called in about. Right. So I've had a raspberry bed probably for 30 years and probably a blackberry bed for 15, and they're three feet apart. <laughs> I haven't had much luck with the golden raspberries, though. The red raspberries seem to do better yes. for me. Yeah, the, the golden ones, you don't see them. Nobody's growing them locally. So I just right. thought, you know, the gentleman wanted to be experimental. But, uh, yeah, the cross-pollination, I just, you know, if it's a, you know, if it's a worry, then I would, that's why I told him just skip one and do you know, only the other one. Right, and I've got strawberries and blueberries as well. So wow. I've not had any troubles with any of them. So just wanted to give that information to Mike. Great. Well, thank you very much. Greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a good day. Yep, you too. And now let's say, why don't we head over to Jason's yard. Hi, Jason. Mike, so I've started a lot of my seedlings. We're probably eight weeks away from the last frost. I usually do this. Uh, tomatoes go real well. Because if they get leggy and I break them, I can replant them deeper. But I have had trouble with uh, some watermelon and some morning glory. And I'm wondering if you've got any advice on, on starting those with an eye towards probably trying to put them once in a Jiffy cup and once in a black plastic one-gallon container before they go outside. Right. Uh you know, the morning glory, is, I've never really had good luck with the, you know germinating that inside. So with the watermelon, I've you know not had ex- good experience with that either. So it sounds like you've got grow lights, you've got bottom heat and everything else. Yes. So, I mean, you've got everything that you need. So if you're not having success with them, then I would say, you know, those particular varieties are just not ones that are going to, you know, going to work. Let's put it that way. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. And a quick question, if you can, on sure. St. Louis composting, if you go to a location, do they have materials bagged? They have some, uh, like you would see at a big store, or do you have to bring a pickup truck? Or uh, They have some things bagged. They have some things that are not bagged. So call the location where you're headed because not every location is going to have the same bag stuff either. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, and also I want to tell you, you know, as yeah. far as the seeds, you know, go to the Missouri Botanical Garden, Mobot, M-O-B-O-T dot org, and see what they say I about am. the seeds. I, I'm doing that, and I also would tell you there's a good uh, 
printout from the University of Missouri okay, for great. us here in St. Louis. Here in St. Louis, so um, easy to find. Perfect. Thanks, Mike. Sure, Appreciate my pleasure. It. Thanks for having me on your show. And now let's let's where should we head? Let's go over to Sharon's yard. Hi, Sharon. Good morning, Mike. How Hi. are you? Very good. Good. I have a question. I have had clematis for several years, different places that I've lived, and I purchased a president's clematis. It is different than the ones I've had before. Is there one, is there some that you need to trim or this one holds its leaves all winter long and the new growth comes through, the blooms get hidden in the leaves and they're hard to see. Can you trim a clematis? Or do I just need to break out those leaves and hopefully it won't have as many next year? Well, the leaves that are that make it through the wintertime, they're brown, right? Right. Correct. So they, they're just not falling off. Nope. So I would say, you know, basically it's a, probably, I don't want to say a bad part of this particular variety, but it sounds like that's exactly what it is. So unless this is one that it's you what? really want to fool it's, with, because that's a lot of work depending upon how yeah, old it is. Yeah, a lot of leaves on it. Yeah, a lot exactly. Of leaves on and it. I don't know if it's actually worth you know going to the trouble. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm wondering. What if I just trimmed out some of the branches and made it, because it's really bushy and full, and it's a beautiful dark purple, but uh, it's just you don't see many of them because of all the leaves. Right. Uh, I would say give it a try and see what happens. And, you know, evaluate it if it's worth the effort and, you know, things along that line. Because for no, the most right. part, I didn't you know, know if there was one that I should trim back in the in the you know, fall or not. Generally not. I mean, they, they really don't need a whole lot of pruning. unless it's, I have the know, tag and it doesn't say anything, but I thought maybe you would know. Right. Uh, so okay. I, for the most part, you know, the only ones that I, the sweet autumn clematis, I always say, you know, that one needs pruning because it is so aggressive and everything else. Mm-hmm. And it produces seeds that, you know, germinate all over the place. But mm-hmm. other than that, the, the let's say the normal ones, as far as the big flowered varieties, um, mm-hmm. you know, pruning, I, it's really not all that much needed unless you just want to mm-hmm. control the, you know, the size of the plant. That might be what I'll have to do, the finding the right vine to trim. Right. <laughs> Will be a problem. Well, when it, okay. there, is it summer blooming? Yes. Yeah. All so, summer. you know, mm-hmm. if you... You, if you're going to do it, it's pruning. So if it's summer blooming, that means it's pr- it's blooming on new growth. So mm-hmm. you can try pruning it now, see what happens, and then it should produce some you know stems that will have the flower buds on it a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll do half of it from one side and see what happens to that side versus the other side leaving it. That sounds smart. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for your time and your show. Sure. Our Thanks show. for having me on your show. Mm-hmm. And now let's go over to Gloria's yard. Hi, Gloria. I just was planting. Good morning. How you doing? Very good. Okay. I'm planting some seeds inside the house so I can put them out by March or April. What light can I use? Can I use a glow light or a shop light? Well, you can use any kind of light, but you, it has to be a, a light... You know, for growing plant material, it can't just be a regular type of light. So I have to use by the light that I went to look for that says for the flowers, right? Right, exactly. And then just okay. realize that, you know, a lot of times the light is important, but also like the gentleman who started all the seeds that I was talking to earlier, he has, a, there's actually something for a, more or less a heat mat, which actually warms the soil and that keeps the, you know, the growth doing going well. 
So the light that's- is important, but also the soil temperature. And if you've got it, you know, with just the light on it, that's not going to warm the, you know, the potting mix up all that much. Well, I saw a heating pad on Amazon, and I started, I said I might die because I have to put them in the basement. It's kind of cold down there. Right. I got a plastic bag. I got a plastic oak on top of them. Well, that's so not, can, you know, that's not going to create that much heat. So, I mean. I know. I just put it over there so I could go get me a, a light bulb, a light. Oh, okay. I went yesterday to look for one in, in Handyman, but I, uh. Wanted to ask you before I bought this stuff because it's expensive. Yeah. You know, the so, light bulb costs $52 by itself. <laughs> <laughs> but I want them to grow. See, when I try to grow them in the house, they don't grow as fast if I put light over. Okay, you have a good day. That's all I need to know. Okay, about. great. Well, yeah, it's you know it's a little difficult. I, I admire people for growing things from seed, but it is not an easy thing to do. I've done it in the past. I haven't done it you know, over the last couple of years. I just wait and, you know, plant the seeds outside when the soil's warm and do it that way as opposed to getting a big, you know, let's say a start on them ahead of time because I did, I've never really found that it makes that all that much difference. So thanks, Gloria. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, okay. Thanks for that information. Sure. Have a good day. Bye-bye. And let's see. Why don't we go ahead and take Art. Art, how are you today? Thanks for taking my call there, sure. Mike. Yeah, I don't think people really know. Sometimes you got to put those seeds in the refrigerators for a certain period of time. I tried to do with that with a lot of acorns that I picked up out at Gettysburg. But I went to Mayas, Pennsylvania, there about 20 years ago. They had some real nice-looking shrubs. They were bayberries. Right. Do you know where I can get those bayberry uh, shrubs? Yeah, bayberries, a lot of the garden, you know, the normal type garden center should have those. Is that right? Well, yeah, not I, the well, big I box think. stores, ones that are specifically, you know, let's say nurseries as opposed to the big box. I see. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, bayberry is not, I mean, it is a little bit unusual, and they are, you know. But, uh, yeah, every seed doesn't necessarily need to be refrigerated. You know, for germination, but certainly some of them do. There's no getting around it. Mike Miller, K and Wash Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Yes, we've had a couple calls related to fruit trees and things like that, and realize that this is the time of year when you want to fertilize your fruit trees. So, best way to fertilize is go out from the trunk to the halfway out the drip line. So, in other words, the extension of the branches, and then auger a hole. The holes you auger use an electric drill and uh, auger about six inches deep, and then feed, pour back into the hole that you just augered compost. And you want to do a concentric circle all the way around and then move out another foot or two and then do another circle around. And that's what you're doing is you're feeding the tree by feeding the soil. So in other words, good soil is the best way to fertilize your tree. And this is the time of year to be doing it for you know the you know the apple trees the peach trees and the, you know the, let's say the, the trees that really f- produce fruit here let's go now to Letty's yard hi Letty how are you hello michael hi. Uh, i want to ask you is it advisable to put pre-emergent down right before it gets ready to snow uh it's a little bit early for the pre-emergent anyway so in uh, in essence it really doesn't hurt because depending upon what type it is some of them need to be watered in anyway 
So well, that's what I was wondering if it would hurt it. You know, if it was too cold, if the ground had to be warmer. Yeah, the ground it's way too early. So in other words, the soil, as I said before, soil temperature. Uh, 50 degrees plus for several days in a row or when the yellow forsythia is in bloom because that's going to be at the same time. Okay. Well, thank you for your service. Yeah, well, thank you and for having me on your show. Yeah, put, you know, putting stuff down early is really not to the advantage. Uh, last week I mentioned the fact that a gentleman had sent me an email and consequently he said his uh, lawn service had come out and put the pre-emergent down and actually put a fertilizer down too, and they'd done that and kind of early, you know, like very early it was very early February or towards the end of January, and that's you know a really kind of a waste of effort. Even if you've got a cool season lawn like a fescue or a bluegrass, it's not to the advantage to put things down that early because, and especially the rain that we had there for a couple of days before it snowed. I mean, it rained and rained and rained and rained. That's going to leach all that stuff. And it's going to make it disinfect or disinfective, <laughs> disinfective. Let's go now to Sue's yard. Hi, Sue. How are you? Hey, Mike. Hi. I have um, a milkweed plant. It's a bush. So, so I bought some milkweed from the garden center, and apparently there's different kinds. Like there's some that grows flat, grows along the ground more, and then this one is a decent sized bush. It's uh-huh. probably three feet tall right now. So do I want to trim that back before it starts blooming? No, this just, year? yeah, just leave it alone. So you've just, it's only been in the ground one year. Yeah. And it's like three feet tall. Yeah. So, uh, you know, milkweed, I always think of it as more or less a vine as opposed to anything else, but no first couple of years, anything that you're planting, don't do any pruning at all. Just kind of let it get its root system well established because Plants get root systems established by having leaves. The leaves make food. They send that food down to the root systems. So consequently, if you prune, then you reduce the amount of leaves. So consequently, that means the root system is not getting as much food or fertilizer that it actually, well, not fertilizer, but food from the leaf. And that's, you know, it's called chlorophyll. That's really what it is. Okay. All right. Good. That's what I need. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Brad's yard. Hi, Brad. Hey, hey. good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. Good. Had a question. I've got one of these little uh, home test kits for the soil, test the soil. Uh-huh. Are those reliable? Uh, pf, uh, I would say a little bit iffy. Okay. Okay. So where would we send it to get a, a good test on the soil? Uh, ba- what you can do is, I don't know what part of town you live in, but the University of Missouri has an extension office in Kirkwood near the train station on Monroe. You can take the soil sample there. I would go online, look at the University of Missouri Extension Service. It will tell you, you know, how much soil you need and everything else and how many different locations within, let's say, your lawn that you should take it or, you know, a separate test for the garden, you know, vegetable garden or a separate test for the perennial or whatever it happens to be. And that will tell you exactly how much you need and then where to where to drop it off. Okay. Now, I've got about a 15 by 30 plot, 15 feet by 30 foot. And uh, should I take like three? I was thinking like maybe one, like three different samples right down the middle. Would that be a good idea? Uh, probably. You're going to end up with a, a large Ziploc bag full. So uh, you want it like an ice cream scoop full without root systems or anything else. And, you know, mix it to blend it all together. 
I mean, wouldn't one part of the garden have too much of this and then another part have too much of that or, or not? Generally not. You, you're just trying to find out for the whole bed space, okay. you know, overall what, the, you know, what, kind of what the makeup is of the soil there as opposed to, you know, one specific area as opposed to another specific area. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Randy's yard. Hi, Randy. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. I have a question concerning growing the extreme hot peppers from seed. I'm going to start them indoors. As I said, I have a hot mat. We've got the uh, grow light and everything. But the the growers say to soak the seeds in a special powder that you mix in water uh, overnight in order to soften up the uh, seeds. So the germination is better, uh, but they don't have any of that in stock. So would it be okay for me to just use regular water overnight to soften up the husk of the seeds? Yeah, I don't know. They're probably, you know, I would say you should be fine that way because I wouldn't think, you know, to have that kind of chemical, you know, available at a garden center is going to be a very rare circumstance. But Yeah, no one seems to have it. I, I tried other places. Right. Yeah, I'm not familiar with, you know, anything that you would, you know, that would be available to to use specifically on something like that. There are certainly seeds that need to be, you know, either cold treatment or need to be soaked or whatever. But to to mix in something with it, I don't know exactly. I guess the hull of the, you know, the pepper seed must be really thick or dense or something. And that's, you know, that's what, you you know, the chemical that you're in theory supposed to be adding. But again, I keep saying this, but... Go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and see what they say about that. All right. I'll do that because they the mixture that they have that they sell is a mixture of saltpeter and something else. Hmm. And, uh, well, I, I tried it uh, last year because these are Carolina Reapers. Okay. These are pretty hot. Right. And uh, it worked well, but no one has any, so I'm just going to try water. <laughs> All right, but I'll... <laughs> I'll do that. I'll get a hold of them. Yeah, maybe That's leave it time. in the water for, you know, an extra day or so. But, uh, yeah, just go ahead and see what the Botanical Garden says. Very good. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. Bye-bye. And now let's head over to Larry's yard. Hi, Larry. Yes. Uh, Mike, these Easter lilies that you see for sale uh, in nurseries and grocery stores, are they home hardy for home gardens? Yeah, they can, be, you know, they can be put outside for sure. There's no, I mean, there is just a lily. They have a, the classic lily bulb. They're not a day lily. They're the classic lily. Right. And, you know, I mean, they grow outside with no problems at all. Does the wind beat them to death? <laughs> no, I mean, they're, they're pretty tough. That stem is really strong, and uh, they want to be in a full sun, well-drained location like any of the, the lilies do. But beyond that, uh, what I would do is, you know, keep them inside, until they finish flowering, then cut the flowers off, then leave the stem and everything else, with you know, which will be green. Then take that outside and plant it in a location, like I said, sunny location with a well-drained soil, and just leave the stem. And then when fall comes around, uh, cut the stem off, and then that's really all you need to do. Okay, thanks. Sure, my pleasure. Bye. Yeah, my mother uh, had Easter lilies at... Uh, you know, we actually put in the yard a couple times, and I we at that time I was a little kid and everything else. We didn't know if they were going to work or not, but we thought we'd give it a try, and actually they did pretty well. 
And Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. If you have questions, concerns, or comments, we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Yes, back to the phones we go. And let's see, where should we head? Let's head over to Jim's yard first. Hi, Jim. Hello, Mike. Hi. Yeah. Uh, I have, uh, let's see, last summer and the summer before that, whatever, we tried to grow rhubarb. And we've tried different varieties. And uh, we started off, like, with seven plants last year. And one by one by one by one, they just uh, died off of around June. And uh, it just seemed like the heat I know they say they're supposed to be in full sun and all that stuff, but it just seems like uh, it's too much around here. Well, I, you know, we we've grown it in pots for multiple years and things like that uh, in the ground. There's plenty of places to grow it. I would think that usually what gets you know is problematic for rhubarb is if the soil is not well drained enough. So in other words, plant it where the soil is elevated and very well drained. That's most important. If there's not, then you're going to get rot, you know, of the let's say the stem and slice well, root system. You know, last year it seemed like uh, I can't remember exactly when, but it seemed like we went through a spell that we just had rain after rain after rain, and then. Uh, we did have it drained very well, or we thought we did, but it just seemed like uh, it succumbed to that rain, you know, after a while. Well, what you might do is, if you're really serious about it, go to your favorite garden center and get potting mix, not potting soil, potting mix, and get a large, like at least a three-gallon size pot you know, if they've got the black plastic nursery pots, that's fine, and grow it for a couple years in a pot. And what you do is you plant it in the pot with a potting mix and then take the pot and then in the garden space where you're planning on growing in the future, just dig a hole and put the pot down in the hole, then put the soil around the pot, leave about two inches of pot around the surround, you know, around the surrounding bed space, garden space, and then see if you've had luck that, that way and then kind of go from there. If you do, then what you can do is after a couple years, then take it out of the pot and plant it in the space where it was actually growing you know, successfully. Okay, but just kind of leave it there year-round, right? Yes, right? definitely. Okay. All right. Okay, well, we'll give it a go again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Never say die. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tracy loves rhubarb pies, so, uh, you know, I understand what you're talking about. So thanks, Jim. All right, thank you. Sure. Bye. Now let's let's head over to uh, Jake's or Jack's yard. Hi, Jack. Hey, how you doing? Good. Um, quick question. Uh, before I put down my pre-emergent, would it help to aerate the yard first? Would that make make it more effective? Uh, not necessarily, because the pre the seed that's there is laying right on top of the ground, so it's in between the grass blades or in between the plant materials or anything else. So the core aeration, you know, is not going to help all that much because the seed is right on the surface. Okay, look, that's my question. Thank yeah. you so much. Sure. And sometimes if you might, you know, the core aeration, I always recommend doing that. Uh, you don't want to do it right after you put down the pre-emergent because that breaks the barrier of the pre-emergent. So don't do the pre-emergent or the core aeration at all. Get the, you know, the pre-emergent to be effective, then kind of go from there. And let's head over to Mark's yard. Hi, Mark. Hi, how are you? Good. Uh, last fall... I think it was around November, I planted uh, some 
Fuzia Green Giants, uh, evergreen trees. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were only about a foot tall at the time, and they still are, but they're turning kind of uh, dingy brown. Ooh. Uh, I don't think they're dead yet, but uh, they were bright, vibrant green when they arrived, and uh, I put them in the ground and watered them, uh, and they have gradually changed color toward the dying side, so... (laughs) Uh, I was wondering what I could do. Uh, basically, if they're already headed in that direction, probably not much. And these were really young plants, and the arborvitae in general really need a well-drained soil. So that's if it's not well-drained, then it's going to be to the detriment. So that just okay. keep that in mind. Yeah, well, it's it's typical kind of Missouri clay, but I did mix some some potting mix in with it when I planted them. But uh, well, potting mix is not adequate. Okay. You're going to have to add like a topsoil compost mix or compost mixed with the, you know, the clay soil and several inches of the, the amendment blended in with the existing soil. So you're, in other words, you're going to create a raised area, a raised bed, a raised spot. But if they're turning think, colors and they're headed downhill and there's not really too much you can do. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of what I thought. And, uh, you know, I, I can replace them this spring, which would you know, I planted them kind of late anyway. So, but uh, okay, that's that's kind of what I expected. But I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And let's go from Mark's yard over to Rebecca's yard. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Mike. Thank you for sharing all your knowledge with us. It's so wonderful. I have a house in North St. Louis, and I planted a peach tree on the corner. I'm on a corner lot, and I love sharing the peaches with everybody. But last year, I had somebody who kept vandalizing it. I know one person only who was doing this, and he'd pull all the peaches off and cut them up and leave them on my sidewalk. So I'm wondering if there's something I can put, like netting around the peach tree. or Is there something that would keep them safe while they're growing? <laughs> Actually, somebody is coming into your yard and doing that to your peaches? That's very strange. I, I mean, It was very sad, yes. <laughs> To be honest with you, the netting that you'd put over it, if this person wants to get to your peaches, they're going to get to them anyway because you can't tie the netting around the, you know, around the trunk or anything, or you could, but they're probably going to go after them. It just seems that's just a very strange circumstance. I've never heard of anything like that before. I I hadn't either. The, the police actually know about it, but, I you know, the police have far better things to do than worry about the peaches, but, <laughs> but it's just... Really, really sad. So I thought, well, maybe I can just put some kind of something around it yeah. to protect them. No. No, not, I mean, f- like if if it's a human being, there's, I mean, they can yeah. get around pretty much anything. Right. I just thought maybe he would see it and, and leave it alone. Well, but. maybe so. I mean, go to your favorite garden center and just, you know, get some netting and uh, you know, put it, you know, just put it over the top of it and, you know, and make sure if you do tie it around the trunk or the branches that you don't tie it tight enough that it could cause some problems for the branches or slice the trunk. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yep. Thank S- you. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Mm, I know. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, I've been doing this show for a long time, since 1996. I've never heard of anybody that comes around and pulls fruit off trees and cuts it up 
and just drops it on the ground. That is the strangest circumstance I've ever heard. Just goes to show you, you never know what's going to happen. But uh, today's sunny. Get out there and enjoy the warmth. And it's supposed to be warmer, warmer. And then, as Brian said, the weather's predicting it's going to get cold or just at least snow. So just get out there and enjoy it. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I certainly appreciate everybody that calls in. Certainly appreciate everybody that listens to the show. Thank you very much. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.